And so it is. Game one is in the books. And now, all of a sudden, in a best of three game series, it comes down to tomorrow. I'm not advocating teams in three game series lose game one, but I'm also in the camp. I don't think it's the worst thing on the planet. Jack Michaels showed Derek Anson here. Obviously, you want to win on a Thursday edition, and it was rough. Uh, Not rough. It was just tough because here's why you love sports and the same reason you're you're at home at night going, (sighs) because, Derek, (laughs) you know, Sioux City last night, Matt Lloyd, who was hitting 417 against the Red Hawks this season, good guy, great ball player. Just as one of those guys that that has put up numbers against the Hawks, period. Uh, you know, Gov, top pitcher in the league, lowest ERA, 0-3 against Sioux City. You know, they, they huh. found a way. You know, it's odd. One of those yeah. weird things where you hope that the numbers don't compute this time, like it's different. So Matt Lloyd crushes a home run, coincidentally on a night, a little cooler temperature, but not 90 degrees. Ball you don't think is going to jump maybe as much. A little cooler night. Well, he, he blasts a home run. And now you're down one nothing. And meanwhile, Sioux City, uh, Austin Drury, tremendous lefty, who is who is 1-0 against the Red Hawks with like a 3-180 who's been tough to beat. Uh, he kind of looks like himself. Red Hawks left a couple on early. Now... And, and here's why sports are just great and heartbreaking at times. Third inning, Red Hawks get a man on B.J. Lopez. Fantastic single. Out, out. And Pena hits a fly ball to center. Chase Harris, good outfielder, playing relatively deep, comes racing in to catch the ball hit by Pena. What happens? Lunges, hits the heel of his mitt, and pops out. Life? Now you've got the tying run at third. It's early. It's the third inning. And you got John Silviano at the plate. I was just talking about Tyler Axton's outside the hall. And I learned about the I I learned this last night in the clubhouse talking to Johnny because the exit velo on his three run home run he hit just off the charts. And I said, Johnny, you know, you he had just you know, he kinda he had thrown you a spinner, you know, a little slider. You got a guy throwing ninety four with a with a good cut. At 94 in a month, and then the, the slider, you know, 86, 83, devastating, especially lefty on lefty. And that's what the case was. I said, I said didn't you expect, a, like, another slide piece, some something that spun John? Let, let alone, he didn't get it. I mean, he turned on a pitch middle in and just blasted it out of the moon. And he goes, you know, I was stepping back into the box, and he goes, one of the teammates. He heard in the dugout, you know, you don't have much time to be out of the box. And he, as he stepped back in and he says, uh, it was Alec Olin that I heard a faint voice go, remember, he's got the heater. And he goes, as I stepped in, it's the last thing that was in my mind. And he threw it to me, middle in and yeah, and just crushed it. So the Red Hawks go up three to one. And you're like, the, the, the Newman, and there was what, 12, 1300 last night, playoff game. It's sometimes not uncommon. It's, it's a weekday and all that. Uh, crowd goes berserk. I mean, the place the, the it is lit. I mean, it is lit. Last night, you get I I sold out. I mean, I know I've been struggling with the, getting the voice back this week. I said nah, I didn't. I don't think so. This time we're we're rolling, and and it was lit, and it was you know it's just and you felt it going. Here it is. This is it. 
Red Hawks have, 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 have put a couple of three run lead or two run lead on a tremendous pitcher. You got Gov. Let's go. And just sports sometimes doesn't work out the way you yeah. think it's got to, Derek. And and Sioux City comes battling back, putting runs in play, and they they tie the game up three to three, and then <laughs> with two outs, Daniel Lingua, who formerly of Gary, was traded in the season to Sioux City, good ball player. He gets up off a gov and two outs, and and and, and Sioux City's now made their comeback off Kevin, and. uh he doubles down the uh, right field line. One run in, two runs in, five to three. Little did I know that Carell Prime at the time, first baseman, yells to Bobby Post, good friend, first base coach for Sioux City, going, he didn't touch first, Bobby. Ooh. Well, afterwards, I was walking out with Bobby to the towards the Sioux City charter. Bobby goes, I know, but what am I? You know, I wasn't going to say anything. So he doesn't say anything. Carell does. And then, again, my baseball's great. You're not sure what you're going to see. Two runs in, 5-3 to three, Sioux City. Wait. Meeting on the mound. Haven't changed anything. Red Hawks appeal. They didn't touch first. And give Nicholas Webb credit. A lot of times umpires, and it's their job to watch, but how many, Derek, you know, do you, you know how many times? Well, they might have not known for sure. Right, you don't know. <laughs> that, that maybe would say that's about it. 80% of the time. Right, maybe didn't see it that right. particular time, and you can't call what you don't, right, you can't call what you don't see. They appeal it. Out. Holy cow, and now it's on. Now it's, we're in a third inning, by the yeah. way, and now it's just it's something you don't see. And what happens when that happens? When you appeal it legally and you get that call, that hit doesn't count. And guess what? Those two runs don't count. So now instead of a five to three Sioux City lead, it's three to three. And and this is the first three innings of the baseball game in game one of a playoff. You know, and I'm just thinking, wow, this is. And then, then how, how did the uh, the uh, chief handle oh, that from Mongo. us? Uh, you know, we, Steve Montgomery, for people who don't know, longtime pitching coach, former player actually oh, the for the Red Hawks, yeah. and uh, Ben. Boy, he's been down there for a while, hasn't mm-hmm. he? As the manager of the Associated Explorers. He just picked up his 500th win, actually, against the Red Hawks. No kidding. Wow, good for him. Yeah, We should have gotten him on. You know, he's a good guy. Yeah, he is. But you're right about Steve. And and Steve's uh, uh, been a friend like you, a better friend for (laughs) decades. But probably hot. Oh, Steve loves a good (laughs) argument. And I like it, Steve. I like it, Mongo and Coaster. You know, these guys are so good. And, you know, Chris has been, you know, Chris had rapport with Major League umpires and so I like these guys, but Margo always reminds me of the basketball coach that is kind of in the ear of the ref that's on near his sideline. Right. Always like, hey, watch his feet, he's traveling. And, you know, next play down, hey, how long can you let him in the lane there? And he comes back down and, hey, watch the guy holding He's, he's like the Jimmy Beheim of America. <laughs> he's this guy, right? So when something does blow, he just turns into like Bobby Knight, you know, mm-hmm. but that's Margo. So, oh, yeah, when that happened – and, and then plus Mongo's like six nine, so right. so when he gets oh yeah he's a, alarmed and, yeah, and he's he, a big guy for sure you know and then so he got alarmed and then then you know what the and, and again a credit to the umpires, um uh to uh to Nick Webb and Jet Minton's the crew chief on this crew and then Neil Lang, uh, Neil Turner excuse me Neil Turner, so they come out between innings and before they start the next inning, where the Red Hawks are batting, the. Uh, they went in and called the league office just to make sure that they got that call correctly. And and they wow. came out and said, 
That's correct. The call stands where it is. He didn't touch first. They appealed it properly. That hit doesn't count. Those runs don't count. And they moved on. And and that's I, – I, I, So the runners went – they so, don't they, – how does that go? They don't. Second and third and a double down the right field yeah. line, right? So Daniel Lingua, you know, boom, one run in is four to three, right? Five to three, Sioux City leads. But if you – in yeah. the proper yeah, steps and appeal that, and that appeal is boom and he's out, that's it. And obviously, as you know, if they throw a pitch, pff, all bets are off. Those yeah. ones count. Unbelievable. So properly appealed, properly caught by Corel Prime to signal that to the Red Hawks uh, dugout. They came out, had a little meeting on the mound. Umpires had a little meeting. By the way, well, the Red Hawks had a meeting. So I think it was always, I think these guys are going to appeal. What would you see, Nick? I go, he didn't touch your bags. What happens? They take out that step back, throw it over, and appeal it. And, they, and the proper call was made. And, you know, and that's, the, again, the Red Hawks lost 8-6. to six. But there was a lot of stuff I thought that uh, that there was a lot of right that was done by by umpires last night, and umpires rarely rarely get any credit. Tell me about the zone and poor Max Kepler yesterday for the Twins. But the um, yeah, and, and it's interesting you say that about you know you throw the pitch, and then the peel's over. That's something. Don't let me forget to ask Guardsy about a play that happened in the Nebraska game. I I just I've never seen anything like it when Nebraska's going in, and then they they do not get the. Uh, they're on the goal line. They don't get it. Right. They run another play, a false start. So they go back five yards. Then all of a sudden, the official says, We're going to review the pre- previous play, whether or not he got in the end zone or not. Now, oh. he didn't, but there's but only a play, play that happened. happened and a false start. But because it was a dead ball play, that they could review the previous play. I yeah, couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the difference between a dead ball and live ball play that allows you and somehow to be grandfathered in, I think is the best way that I would explain that. To be grandfathered in to go back and revert. I don't like that. I, I think if you I point. think once you snap it, I don't care if there's a it's a penalty. So once I mean once you're once something happens in the next play, because they you can say it's a dead ball fall, yeah, but there was actually movement within, within something. I just yeah. that felt icky to me. If they would have gotten the touchdown on that, I would not have liked that whatsoever. Yeah. It's funny when when rules are drawn. That's why there's always six point boom, seven point one two point one. There's a lot of points mm-hmm. uh, on that. That's a, it's a great call. Um, so the Hawks backs. And I, I don't mean I would in any best of three series. You want to win game one. But here's my point of what I said to start the show, is that I really feel I in my soul feel that and if you lose game one and like the Red Hawks did at home, that immediately gets flipped. Obviously you gotta win tomorrow. You gotta win game two. And if you do that, which is certainly capable, now it's not only it's not only Derek a tied series with the winner take all in the next game. You bat first. And if you win game two and then come back on a Saturday and you bat first and you score a run or two, do you know the feeling of of pendulum swing on that moment right there? You got to get to that moment, but that's why it can almost just maybe someone can help us out here because I think if I'm going to use an analogy, and it's hard to believe I'm saying this. This is actually coming out of my mouth. What do you got? Almost 20 years ago, this happened in Game Seven, the biggest comeback in in baseball history. When the Red Sox went into Yankee Stadium, someone hit a. Was it Johnny Damon hit the uh, pole? Uh, yeah. Or, or did that? I think that was put it, it away. 
But there was something early on that happened in the Red Sox. I want to say in the first game. I'll, I'll look it up here. And the fact that you just said nearly 20 years ago. Isn't that icky in your stomach that that was 20 years ago? That, I just, that I, almost? I, I mean, just remember. Well, I guess it would be 20 years ago if you count if you count uh, 2010 is a zero in there, right? So it's pretty much how I just goes. Uh, It feels like just yesterday, Maury Wills was talking about how Dave Roberts called him from a taxi yes. cab, thanking him for teaching him how to steal bases when he took second, you know, and obviously let all that. Let me do is. this. What do we got? I'm Googling. I'm going. Game. Hold on. Let me, I got to stop it again. Uh, here's the, here we, got, we got Paul here while we're doing this. So. All right, Paul, real quick. What do you got, Paul? I was going to talk about the Twins game. And the- <laughs> you don't have to shout. We can hear you. We got yeah. you, buddy. And by the way, uh, that was a bad straight three call that the umpire called on us yesterday. And and here's my prediction for the Vikings. Okay. On Sunday. Okay. Vikings are going 24 to 14 over Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. 10-point lead, yeah. I like it. I'll take a 10-point victory and at your, home. And your point on the calls, um, yeah, there, there might have been a couple of uh, – Elevated pitches that were normally maybe you'd think were not strikes that were called strikes, and maybe the width wasn't as great as some, but uh, I, I think it happened to both sides, so that happens. I'm not sure if he's talking about the Red Hawks or Twins, or maybe both. I think yeah. be the one on Kepler, if he's talking about the one on Kepler, yeah. I was like, oh, come on now. <laughs> well, they're getting closer and closer. Have you, have you seen some of the video? It's been kind of popping up on Facebook once in a while. What you see in uh, minor league baseball and, and the affiliated with where they tap the head when they question, right. they just look back and boom, yep. and, it's, and then they—that's pretty quick. We might be getting there, Derek. I, I, uh, it, it's not so much that you call a strike on a pitch that clearly was not that was in. It's you then you better let, golly, let these guys have a little bit of emotion if it's not egregious to filter that out. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of of. You, you you ring a guy up on probably that you already know that's probably a little borderline suspect, and then you see the frustration. Don't pop back off at him. You know, let him let him filter right. that out. So anyway, that's just my two. Cents. I'm trying to find the actual box. Well, you mentioned Damon. Well, the Red Sox uh, scored two runs in the first inning of Game Seven, 2004. I'm trying to get the whole. But so I remember they jumped out early and like, oh, and they won ten to three when it was all said and done. But when you mentioned that, when you're hoping for yeah. on Saturday, that's what I thought of right away is that was that first inning, top of the first, and boom, they jumped on Kevin Brown right away. It it it, uh, And I don't think Sioux City, by the way, or in your estimate, I don't think Sioux City has a false sense of they won the series security, but I think there's a human element involved here. Well, how do you not? That right? is yeah. outside of our being that when that, those scenarios happen, Sometimes it's hard to control that. And, and again, Red Hawks win tomorrow night and get up early on Saturday. Trust me, that feeling right there is a tough one. If you, you almost feel like a boxer that is that can't defend, you know, vital parts, and, mm-hmm. and you're getting punched, and you're and you're on your heels, and pretty soon you're knocked out. Seen it so many times, and I hope for the Red Hawks case that's the scenario that plays out. Guardsy today, uh, great to have JG with us. Obviously, he was busy with football last week. That 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 thriller, uh, tight game. Eh, it was well, a thriller at the fifty-eight minute mark. That's right. It was that thriller. And then Kyle Alfrank. Uh, if you've got Week One of fantasy football tonight, Kyle joining us on a Thursday. Who to play? Who to sit? Uh, our guy uh, Ryan Jenkins in our newsroom down the hall. I was saying how Kelsey's out tonight. He goes, I don't think he is. 
I don't think it's confirmed yet. I went, ooh, I thought it mm, was. Wow. So we'll see uh, with Kyle. Stick around. Garzy, JG coming up next. Jack Michael show on a Thursday. Derek Hansen right here on 740 The Fan. Bumper to bumper. John Krasinski, Johnny Athletic. They're off the school, by the way. Another off day. What kind What's of school today? system you what got is going, going on, on there? there? You guys on trimester? I don't What's the know. Deal? It's load management for the teachers. <laughs> Weekdays, 3 to 6.30 p.m. on 740 The Fan. September is Recovery Month, and at First Step Recovery of the Village, they believe that recovery is for everyone, every person, every family, every community. Join them this month in celebrating the strength and resilience of those in recovery. First Step Recovery. He's the number two sideline analyst in Minnesota. Came in, you said, if you ain't first, you're last. Ricky, I was high when I said that. But that doesn't make any sense at all. First, you're last. You, you can be second. He's in the Cake Eater Hall of Fame. Cake Eater. His life's never been sweeter when you're just a cake eater. Nadal and Federer wish they were this good looking. I got to tell you, that suit looked like a piece of good God wrapped up with some hot mercy with a side of food. He's the one and only Justin Gar. Leave it to Deion Sanders in prime time to steal that glow of Minnesota's victory in Nebraska. You know, and I'm not I'm not even saying that facetiously or tongue in cheek. When the college football season got underway, you know, you're all searching for for games. You're not sure which ones are gonna how they're gonna find out. But whenever you have Minnesota and Nebraska, and whether they've been national champions in recent years or you have to go back a few years, it is still two pretty big programs. And when that game, whether you like it or not, a close game is a close game that ends on, what was it, a 47-yard field goal that, that buried through there and actually finished fairly enticingly. And uh, I don't care what you think, that's a pretty good way. And then and, and Colorado went out and beat TCU. Justin Gard joining us today. And uh, good to have Gardzi for a handful of minutes. Congratulations, JG. I, I know you did your part. You sounded fantastic. It's great to hear your voice. Yeah, I think we were locked in for week one. There's no question. You know, we don't need it. We don't get a preseason. We don't need a preseason. Um, actually, I screwed up on my microphone and couldn't change the frequency in the first quarter, which annoyed me because I've done that a million times. Right. I felt like an idiot. But you just got to get better from week one to week two and just try to get 1% better every day. And that's what I'm going to try to do. That's what I've been trying to do before I jumped on with you. How many uh, back to school? Uh, how's that back to school? By the way, before we, I know we got this, and Andrew from DL wants to chime in today too. To, with you, that's great. But how's the whole back to school thing uh, treating you? Well, I'll say so. My boys started on Tuesday. My daughter started today because she's in kind of the pre-kindergarten year at our school, and, they, and kindergarten and the pre-K, pre-K start two days later. Today is the first time ever that I have been in my house by myself during the day since, like, 2019. I, t- I have no idea. Did you see how fast I texted you back? Was I was so awesome. for someone to talk to today. Dark, <laughs> probably, I was just sitting there with my dog, and the house is dead quiet. I've got my notes and stuff in front of me. I'm trying to figure out all these tasks I have to do, how to even start because it's so quiet. Um, it's very, it's, I, this is literally the first day and my wife works in the school, so she's gone as well. Uh, and so here I am, man. Like I, I was just looking for someone to talk to. So I appreciate you because I, I had nothing going today yeah. for the first time ever. You get appreciate Just it. wait for empty nest. I'm just, that's a long time for you from now, but that, that is kind of the feeling once you, you know, if you're 
if you stay in like, you're like boy, right it's there. quiet around here. The dogs are great, but they don't yeah. carry conversation very well. That's uh, that's only. No, I think he's mad that we're there. I, he's mad that I'm there because you know he's used to just everybody being gone. So it's um it was unsettling, and that's what I've been telling people. I'm either going to be really productive or the exact opposite for a couple of days every single week. My wife works a couple of days a week in the school, so she'll be around a little bit. We'll see if she wants to hang out with me. Doubtful, and so that's what I'm doing today. So I today I got a lot done though. I'm feeling good. I feel good. I got my Eastern Michigan stuff ready to go. So I think we're okay. Yeah, that's what's coming up. Yeah, for those that don't know, so I'll shoot guards you a text saying, you know, because the guy's busy. He's got all these different programs he's on, and he's he's a wanted man. And then I usually we say, hey, JG, you got time today? Before I even hit send, uh, I, I yeah, heard, I let's do it. <laughs> I love it. Let's go. Let's do it. Yep. Uh, I sense it. I sense it. Derek, before we uh, get some calls in for uh, for JG, um, obviously you're you're you go for guy, Minnesota guy, growing up, go for guy. Uh, you had a question about uh, like some penalty that was called. You wanted to chat with guards. Yeah, it was about- good, interesting because we t- talked about a baseball appeal last night that I just never realized that you could create a penalty and then you know because of that it could be a dead ball foul and then have a scoring review from the previous play. I just I don't like that rule at all. If, if Nebraska would have scored on that after that, I would have been hot because that that just doesn't seem right to me at all. If you snap the ball, I don't care if it's d- dead ball or whatever, that's another play to me. That's the reason you got five yards is because you committed a penalty. Yeah, it was interesting because we didn't really know. Like, I didn't really know what was going on at the time. Um, I was trying to figure out what I was doing if I was ch- chasing down an injury or cramping or something like that. But truthfully, I thought the Nebraska guy live got in. Like, I thought it was a touchdown. I was, And now I'm 15 yards away. I'm not right down the goal line in that situation. Sometimes I will be. But I, from my angle, I'm like, oh, man, that was a touchdown. So I was kind of surprised when it wasn't. But then you're right there. To be able to false start and then be able to review it, why wouldn't people do that all the time if, they, if it was you know, 50-50 or iffy or maybe you were out of challenges or you were out of timeouts and all of a sudden – you get a buzz down from the booth. I don't know the exact formatics about it. I should probably talk to Grimmer, who always knows that stuff. But that was that would have been an unfortunate one for Minnesota if oh. it all went down and it all went through because they stop them, they think. Nebraska, self-inflicted wound. And then to be able to, to say, oh, by the way, we went back another play and that was actually a touchdown, so we're just going to kick the extra point now. That would have been a tough one. That would have been a tough one. And uh, so I, I was with you that – if, if I'm coaching, I'm just like, hey, we think it's close, but we're out of challenges. Just tell the right tackle to jump, and we'll get another look at it. That that, that doesn't seem like it should be right. So I was with you. Cameron, to you from our Gunderson Jewelers studio. Uh, we'll go to Andrew here in a second, but I uh, one more for Garzi here. Is it, and I think it was Daniel Jackson that made the uh, the, uh, the the catch. Yeah, the foot uh, drag of uh, uh, Garzi, live in infamy. Garzi, you're you're going to see some plays all year long, and we're all going to see plays. I don't know, JG. That's uh, I didn't think a body. I didn't think like the angles of a body. Well, I know yours can, but I didn't think you could <laughs> leave a toe down and like physically do it. I mean, literally in the laws of physics, have a body do what his did. I've never seen anything like that, oh. and we obviously talked to PJ about it on TV and radio, and they say they actually do believe it or not kind of teach that because it doesn't come up very often i mean this is year 13 i think 12 or 13 i've never seen a catch like that i've seen some good ones from the gophers and elsewhere and otherwise and so who knows if they actually teach it or not but the way he described it scientifically it makes sense if you throw one leg up 
the left toe will go down. And I just, I still can't quite believe it. The throw was not a great throw. Obviously it was, it was where only Daniel Jackson could catch it. But if Ethan just gets a little bit more air under it, it, it's probably a lot easier, including the second down pass. That was the deal. That was insane. And it reminded me of, you know, Chris Ottman Bell's catch in 2019 at Fresno state, similar situation, fourth down. You have to have it unbelievable to get his foot down in the end zone there back corner. Reminded me of Max Williams against Iowa in 2014, I think it was, where he dragged one foot down, and they they needed it because the ball game's over if they don't get that. Yeah. And there's so much to talk about in the last five minutes that had to go right for the Gophers, and unbelievable. And really, it, it's fitting that it's Daniel Jackson because they've been talking about him for a really long time, going back to his freshman year, which I think was the COVID year, that he was going to be you know one of the next good wide receivers here. Maybe not to the level of a Rashad Bateman or Tyler Johnson, but in that ballpark, in that conversation, and the whole offseason, that was the conversation, was he's going to be wide receiver one to use the parlance that the kids love to use right now. And it was fitting that he had the most targets on Thursday, and it was fitting that when they needed, they absolutely needed a play, they drew one up for him, and he got it done. I guess it's probably under the category of we're going to do limb control from <laughs> 1 to 115. Limb control. All right. Andrew is on board. Andrew, thanks for your patience. As always, uh, you're on with Justin Gard. We're on guard today on a Thursday. What's up, Andrew? Yeah, appreciate you having me. Good afternoon, guys. You bet. Um, real quick, uh, Gardsy, if you listen on Mondays, Dr. Bill, if you're cramping on the sidelines, Dr. Bill would implore you to have an emergency pickle juice packet on you just in case you cramp <laughs> off. It will yeah. the cramps. solve the problem pretty yeah. quickly. Um, I just had a comment and a question quick. Um, not only is this the greatest time of the year because the football season is starting, but the best day of the week uh, Wednesday for bumper to bumper has returned to Wednesdays with not only Mace but Kessler as well is by far my favorite uh, uh, as far as bumper to bumper goes. Uh, two guests on one day. Uh, absolutely love that. Um, and my question to you is, I know you text and talk with Lieber more than people know. I think it's so crucial on the defensive side of the ball that um, we get something out of uh, Marcus Davenport this year. Obviously, he was overdrafted, but there's potential there, and he's personally on a contract year. And for the team-wise, it's a big deal for someone to compliment Daniel Hunter on the other side. Have you heard anything from Lieber or PA or anybody that he had a good camp? Or are they expecting big things from him because he's shown some flashes? Um, just want to ask you that, and I appreciate you. Great stuff, yeah, Andrew. I appreciate that. Um, I'm, and I'm, I hope the check comes from Glenn Mason for everything you said about him. I hope <laughs> I hope you get your money there, Andrew. That'd be good. Uh, I wouldn't hold my I breath from him. No. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. No, the have a good camp thing I'm always weary of because everybody always has a good camp. But there's a reason why they brought him in here for sure. They needed to – and that's one thing I think Quasi's been pretty good at is finding value in free agents and bringing them in, you know, whether it's a Jordan Hicks from a year ago, who's going to be the bumper to bumper weekly guest on, on Mondays. Uh, we actually have him on today at four o'clock to preview the game against the Bucks. Like, I don't know if he's been a great drafter, but I think he's been pretty good at supplementing with more bargainish type free agents or finding a way to maybe get something out of a guy that, that they weren't able to get somewhere else. And I think Davenport fits that bill. I think they're signing him because they feel like they need somebody to compliment Daniel Hunter. That's really been the talk all camp is who's the other guy or guy is going to be and who was it going to, and what were they going to do if Daniel didn't come back? That's why I think they were in such a difficult spot to act, absolutely make something happen with Daniel because they really, you know, they didn't have a ton after Zadarius Smith. He started well, finished poorly. 
Anthony Hunter a year ago, they didn't have a ton of pressure. And we know Brian Flores wants to dial it up. We know he wants to be aggressive. So I think that's a shrewd observation that they are expecting big things or somewhat big things from Davenport. And they probably need big things if this defense is going to be what everybody need, what everybody hopes it is and what it probably needs to be if they want to win the division again. Vikings in Tampa Bay, 12 noon uh, kickoff coming up on Sunday. And uh, you know, Jordan Addison obviously has received a lot of the talk and attention. Of course, he got some attention, you know, because of a speeding ticket and the dog and trying to get home or whatever that was, <laughs> <laughs> the situation with him. But when we look at Vikings, uh, I mean – you know, we haven't, and I watched the the quarterback thing on Netflix. Derek JG had me watch that baby. I took one Red Hawks trip yeah. and binge the whole thing. Just done. It was such an easy. Got much more appreciation for Kirk Cousins, certainly, like I'm sure everybody did. But you know, the the pulse of the city uh, and cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, when it comes to the Vikings this year, Justin, what what pulse are you feeling right now? Well, certainly everybody got a, a different look of Kirk Cousins. And he and I, I saw an interesting quote from Kevin O'Connell, I think in the Ben Gusling story about the second-year head coach, about how he's really glad that Kirk is in a place at the moment where he can be himself. And that I don't think was always the case here, maybe in his entire NFL career, but certainly his first couple of years with the Vikings. And I think his teammates really like him. I think his teammates really pull for him. And I think his teammates are happy that he's on the team. But in terms of the pulse, I think we're all trying to figure out exactly what was real from a year ago and what was, I guess, fraudulent. Is that mm-hmm. the right word? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of you. Who knows? I'm not on the Detroit hype bandwagon. I'm fascinated to see how they play tonight. I just think it's a, not that they're not good and not that they didn't have a good year, especially the last eight games or so and knocking the Packers out of the playoffs. But right. I really do believe it's a totally different deal when you're expected to do well. And there are expectations and there is pressure and Last year, quite frankly, with how they started, it was all house money for them to just roll the dice on all those fourth downs, to play loose and free, and not really care because what was at stake for them? Nothing after a while. So how do they handle being one of the the watch teams and not sneaking up on anybody? That's what I'm most curious about with Detroit. So I think everybody's excited to see what this uh, offense is going to be. Obviously, adding Addison, you know, signing TJ Hawkinson again. And we're all very curious if this defense can take a jump because it was so bad a year ago. And part of the reason why Cousins had to be so good in all those clutch situations and why they had so many one-score games was because the defense, even you know, into the postseason, too, was not very good. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's the usual Vikings vibe. I don't think anybody has illusions that this is a Super Bowl team or anything like that, but it certainly should be an NFC North champion conversation and should be a team that should be thinking about making some type of run in the playoffs. I think the Minnesota sports vibe is just, yeah, all right, we'll see how they do in the regular season, but they're going to fall in the playoffs. I think we're just kind of where we're at. Are you referencing baseball also? 100% with the Twins and Wild Wolves, it's it's everywhere. It's all four of them. There's no question about it. Um, Justin, let me ask you about the the Kirk Cousins thing, because I know you're the uh, resident manager of uh, Cousins Condos uh, throughout the region here. But uh, yeah, I think the interesting part of him watching that thing is I always had an appreciation for him being a good guy. I got a chance to talk to him a little bit when I was talking with Adam Thielen at a practice, in, I think, back in 2019. But it is kind of the question when you watch that, you see the it factor that Mahomes has, right? I mean, no matter what you think of him. And it's just kind of one of those things. Cousins will get you a comeback wins in the regular season. He's got one playoff win. Does he have that it factor that's going to put him on that 
level of very, very good to great. And, and I think that's what everyone's kind of watching for right now in this coming up in this 2023 season. Yeah, well, there's seeing if you could take it. I mean, he played great last year. I really, mm-hmm. to me, there's no, there's no question that. And then, the, the, you know, you watch the quarterback, like how often he got hit, all the stuff he was dealing with. I thought it was interesting that, you know, of all the quarterbacks that um, came up to him midfield, I think it was after the Buffalo game, it was our guy Case Keenum that basically said, man, you are a tough dude. And because uh, everybody loves Case for obvious reasons around here. But that's always going to be the, the question with Cousins. And uh, truthfully, a lot of people don't think he can. If you if if you if I had to make a bet, I would probably say yeah, probably not. Is he is he going to elevate you to that place that only a few guys can? Probably not. But that doesn't mean that you can't win a bunch of games with him and in the right situation can't win at the highest of high levels. And I think he continues to get better. I think they continue to put good pieces around him. I think the fact that he and KOC seem to be locked in is extremely helpful. And this is the first time ever in his Vikings career that he actually is dealing with the same people around him, which. I also put a lot of stock in that they're not learning anything new this year necessarily. They're reviewing it. They're adding to things. They uh, he understands the concepts. They understand him. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what Kirk does. And obviously, there's the added factor that he's in the last year of his contract, and there's no guarantee that he's going to be back here. I happen to think that he will be. I think he wants to be. I think they like him. I don't think they're ready to completely, you know, start over at the quarterback position. So. Um, I'm excited to see how he plays because I think he's going to play pretty well. The uh, two quickies here, and then we'll let JG get back to his uh, whatever lunch he's making. Probably something healthy, I'd imagine, today, sitting back at home with the uh, the dog, Justin Guard, on this. So at this date, 1979, uh, JG and Derek, ESPN, the Entertainment and Sports Programming Network, made its debut today, September 7th, 1979. I don't know when the, when the 24-hour news went on when Ted Turner started that, but it probably wasn't, you know, it wasn't do. My question is this, Justin, and, and you maybe, and I'm a little older, <clears throat> but 24-hour sports, 24-hour news. Back in the day, which, would the Justin Guard of today say, to which one going, I don't know if this is going to work. Would it be to the news one or to the sports one? Or maybe the Justin Guard would say, hey, it's a fantastic idea. The news one or the sports one? Man. That's tough. When, when did Turner go? Why do you always do this to me? I know. Why I, do you I, always do this to I me? Mean, I, you know? Well, here, I'm actually, I'm, I'm about to go get my, I'm about to go get my uh, six-year-old skate sharpened here, and I'm, I'm, I'm at the <laughs> hockey store, but I'm, I just noticed I'm right next to a place called The Thinking Spot. Oh, look, look at that. Interesting. Look at learn. that. This is the Jack Mike, the, the Jack Michael show, <laughs> The Thinking Spot. I'm going to take a picture of this and send it to you when we're done here. That's where you always put me. Right. And that's not what I'm – there's a reason why I'm in sports radio, because I don't want to be in the thinking spot. Okay, well, then, um, then forget – yeah. <laughs> I'll put it this way, J.J. You, you know, they're not even news channels anymore. It's just pro- political talk well, shows. 1974 so. – let me hold on. 19, yeah. 1970, Turner promoted the station uh, WTCG uh, as Super 17. And then in, in August of 74 – it became the first television to broadcast 24 hours a day news. So 79 ESPN, 74 on that. The only reason I ask is because I found a story to end with today that is, um, that's both news and sports. I heard, in fact, on CBS News, the top of the hour on our, our sister station. You see the story in Mexico City. They get a marathon, and Justin's now a marathon runner and his beloved bride, Jenny. 
Uh, they run. Jogger. I'm a jogger. My uh, wife is a runner. I'm okay, a jogger. Uh, 11,000 <laughs> 11, runners at this year's Mexico City Marathon disqualified. Uh, they found to have cut the course. It's a 26.2, so it's a marathon, 26.2. And uh, it, it, the disqualified runners, more than a third of the 30,000 people, 11,000 of them, uh, uh, cheated. They and some guards, guards, like we're getting into vehicles and and, and cutting yeah. the cord and driving. Uh, that's that's uh, that's interesting. It's interesting. It comes honest. up more than you think. Like that, people cut the course and use vehicles. We talked about it one too, and like that, no one notices, or you think you're not. No one's going to notice. It's it is weird how much happens that you wouldn't think about. Like, and I've been at races. I, I did a half marathon. My wife did the full in Miami, where the the champion, the, the would be champion, took a wrong turn, and then somebody passed her. And you're like, how does that happen? I just saw that happen another time too, where the, a runner was following the lead police car, didn't know the police car was going to pull off and let the runner have the finish line and just followed the car off the course. Wow. Like, so I think so, some of this might have been accidental, but sure. certainly if you're jumping in a vehicle or other mode of transportation, you're trying to cheat. But then I, I wonder, for what? Like, what? Yeah, well, if it, you're not one of the elite elite runners, you're not winning prize money. Are you trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I could have used this in New York yeah. to update my standing because of the 50,000 runners I think I was forty nine thousand eight hundred and eighty six. <laughs> well, you know, in front of about seventeen people. Uh, you you ran. I mean, you you were there. Some of these people the use medals the same, baby. Right. The medals the same. Some of these people use public transportation to cheat. You imagine Ubering in a twenty six two point two marathon, just grabbing an Uber halfway through and cutting the course. I am now. I'm thinking it's of it. Yeah. Uh, Garzy, by the way, Jenny ran in front of uh, not Bob Greasy, uh, uh, not Bubby Brister, Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie. That's uh, yeah. So take that, Derek. Did you know that? Yeah, I heard the story not yeah. too long ago. Yeah, and fantastic. Uh, I J- listened to bumper to bumper quite a bit. Yeah, uh, JG, have a thinking man's day, and uh, good luck with the skate purchase. Send me, um, send me also the cost of that those skates or whatever you're doing today. That can't be cheap. Yeah, we're a, we're a hockey family, so we got the punch card. I'm hoping this one's free. I'm hoping I still have some punches left. I love it. Good that's, luck. That's what my life is right now. <laughs> good luck with Eastern Michigan. See what the Gophers do in uh, in their in round two, and hopefully it's just thrilling. Justin, always a treat. They have you on board. We'll, you we'll hear it. you later, buddy. All right. See you guys. Justin Gard joining us. So we come back. Kyle Elfrink, fantasy football expert. That- it's all part of our fantasy football. So this morning, Kyle Elfrink, uh, the the guru, and it's always good, if even if we have a couple of minutes uh, with Kyle, to get that knowledge on the airway on the fifth largest daytime signal in the country, 740 The Fan, Jack Michael Show, Derek Hansen, and here is uh, Kyle. So Kyle, this morning, uh, down the hall in our newsroom, one of our news guys says, uh, heard me saying uh, that, that Travis Kelsey uh, will not be in action tonight against uh, the, the Lions, and he turns me off air and he goes, that's not right. He's going to play, right? I said, I don't think he is. He goes, nah, I, I think he's questioning. I think he's going to go. I said, well, he's got a hyperextended knee. That's all right. He's Travis Kelsey. So this was like a four-minute. Four minute. So you tell me, uh, Kyle, is Kelsey going tonight? 
I, I'm leaning towards no is, is where I would probably land on this one. It wouldn't shock me if he's out there. I, I think even if he plays, though, it will be scaled back just a bit instead of his usual snap count. We'll have a pullback there. That being said, if you have Travis Kelsey, as long as he dresses, I don't even care if they tell us he's going to be limited or we're only going to use him in certain packages. If he has the pads on, he belongs in your fantasy starting lineup. Now, we're probably not going to get the truly official word until 90 minutes before kickoff. So, what is it, 720 Central, 550 uh, would be 90 minutes out. And that's when we'll find out active or inactive. Uh, you may have to make a change. And, man, you talk about a backbreaker in week one. In, mm. in effect, some people are going to have to decide, do I drop my backup quarterback? Do I drop my fifth running back? Do I drop my sixth receiver? To, in effect, get a pretty lousy tight end. Um, do you want just six points? Is that going to win your week, or can you maybe survive with the zero if Kelsey is inactive? That'll be the question for a lot of people later today. Kyle, heading into week one, and a person in your position who's been doing and how long have you been doing You've been doing this for a while, right, Kyle? <laughs> uh, for this year, we usually, I, I'd say me personally, right after the 4th of July. That, that's kind of always been an unofficial start date to start uh, really focusing in on football, but to be honest with you, I've done best ball drafts um, going back to uh, right after the NFL draft, so so late April, I guess so. And then, then from a year standpoint, how long have you been in the uh, position to, you know, uh, comment and offer opinion? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been I've, I've been playing fantasy football since the late eighties. I yeah, guess there you go. So <laughs> it's been around. Myself, <laughs> but but in terms of breaking things down, we're talking uh, two thousand eight. So my question leading up to this, Kyle, is that at week one, there's just so much uncertainty in week one. Collegiate football, we've seen some things in week one that people probably didn't predict. Uh, I, I'm sure everybody had Duke on their bingo card to get a winner Clemson <laughs> out of the game. But when you head into week one of the NFL and, and you take a call in your serious uh, XM uh, show and someone says, Kyle, give me the number one guy that's going to blow up in week one. That, to me, would be an insane question to answer, but you somehow find a way to navigate that. So I guess I'll ask that in a backwards way. A player or players that have the mm, uh, opportunity and option that, that, that could blow up in week one. Well, I, I, you know, I, a blow-up to me is somebody who goes for like 150 in receiving or has three touchdowns in the rushing attack. I, I don't know if I, I would sit here and predict that level of success, but I'll tell you some guys I've got my eyes on. One of them tonight, and I was actually talking to a buddy of mine, and uh, he plays a lot of the daily fantasy sports. And within that aspect, you can play, you know, just tonight's game. And you usually have to find a quote-unquote sleeper, a cheap guy who can do something. And he brought up the name Richie James with Detroit. And I think it's a good one because Detroit is looking for a second receiving option right now behind Amara St. Brown. I think tonight against the Chiefs, they're going to throw and throw and throw. The Chiefs' secondary is nothing special. They allowed, I think, 33 or 34 touchdown passes last year. Uh, Richie James is brand new to Detroit. A lot of people don't even know he's on the Lions. Um, so I don't know if that's anybody you have to pick up, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a touchdown there. Another guy I like on that front would be in the Indianapolis-Jacksonville game. I know all eyes will be on the rookie, Anthony Richardson. I, I'd point to another rookie, um, Josh Downs on Indianapolis who is a true-to-life major deep threat. And I think most of Richardson's success this year will obviously be when he has to run 
you know, we're talking from a fantasy aspect. Sure. And then I don't think he's going to be a very good passer. I mean, I, I think it's going to be difficult for him to complete 60% of his passes this year, but we know he has a cannon of an arm, and he's got an absolute burner in downs. I think Josh Downs will be one of the hottest pickups next week. And, hey, if you can uh, grab him as a fifth or sixth receiver now, I'd be willing to make that move going into the weekend. I uh, I was just writing down Richie James. All that came to my mind was super freak Rick James. So I was uh, <laughs> a little bit off of <laughs> Yeah, this guy's on the other side of the earth right now. That's he's right. In a good spot. Yeah, yeah. He's in a better spot, probably, uh, for Rick uh, now, maybe. In a better spot. That's good. Uh, Derek, uh, I'll, I'll throw at you and see if Kyle, uh, you're a Vikings guy, you're, you're an NFL guy. Uh, Tampa Bay is taking on the Vikings. If you were to choose one Viking, Derek, and I know you're not, you don't play fantasy anymore, this weekend, who would it be for you? I am curious about Alexander Madison. Mm. I think he is a guy at yep. short yard situations. You know, Delvin Cook is good for touchdowns on breakaway runs, whatever, but you don't think of him as that big load. And he was a physical back, don't get me wrong, but he you thought of him more as that guy who breaks away. And I just kind of wonder on that, you know, third down and goal from the one-yard line, how much he'll be able to, uh, you know, number two is going to break through for a lot of touchdowns this year if they get down that far. Because they were bad in short yardage situations last year. I mean, like really bad. Kyle, is Madison, is Madison going to win some fantasy owners games this year? I, 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 think he, I think he has an opportunity early on to be an RB2. I kind of worry about the long term with him. It's, it's crazy how this sport works. It feels, I don't even, what are we, in the fifth year of Madison, maybe fourth year of him? And it feels like every year we're like, oh, this could be the year. If Cook goes down, this could be the year. Last year he got a bit of that opportunity. was not great with it. He wasn't bad or anything. And I know this year the plan is he's going to be the lead guy. I, I don't know if he's ready for that plan. I don't know if he's ready for that workload. I think Ty Chandler uh, could certainly still some work as the season moves along. I think going into the season, the best spot for Madison right now is if somebody was rolling him as a flex, are an RB2. I don't think he has the upside of, you know, you say winning a league. To me, that would be a running back that you thought was going to be 20th or 25th, and oh my gosh, he finished 8th. Right. That'd be a little rich for me with Madison, okay. but I think he can he can finish in that 15, you know, that 13 to 17 range amongst running backs with some health, with some receptions, and as long as Minnesota actually gives him the opportunity. I'm talking, you know, 10 games of him being the starter and not having to share the load. I like it. I'm glad you brought him up, Derek. Our last one for Kyle before we let him go. Let's stay with tight ends. For all Dallas Goddard owners, are they going to be pleased as punch and this guy is going to just take over the, the Kelsey-esque fantasy points that, that every Dallas Goddard owner out there, and you're speaking to Goddard's backyard now, Kyle, obviously, and he, he grew up in a small right there on the border of North and South Dakota. Uh, Dallas Goddard. Big projection this year. Where are we sitting? Uh, improving, but let's be honest, and I'm not trying to kick the local guy, but <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> there's a lot of mouths to feed in that Philadelphia offense, and Goddard has been consistently solid. I mean, we're, we're definitely in his sixth season, and I think because I, I looked up this number the other day with him, he's got four straight seasons of, I think, three of the four 55-plus catches. The other one is maybe in the high 40s. He's a solid option, but, you know, you mentioned the name Kelsey. That's 100 catches. You know, that's 1,200 yards. I, I think Goddard, if he gets to the 70 to 75 range, that's a win for everybody. And, and I think 75 is not out of the realm of possibility. We'll see what Philadelphia does in terms of their passing attack. Last year, 
they kind of ran hot and cold from half to half, depending on the scoreboard. You'd have like a big explosion in the first half, and then in the second half, they would just use their stable of running backs to, to dry out the clock. If that is the case again this season, I don't think there's going to be enough quantity for Goddard to kind of reach that magical 80-catch level. So I, I would go in that 65-70 to 70 catch range for him and, and maybe a handful. Of That's really well put. You know, Hurts, DeAndre Swift, who am I? A.J. what, Devontae Smith? Uh, yeah, AJ Brown, well, and they've got you know the DeAndre Swift as, as you just mentioned, and Brown, and um, you know they they bring a, a load of talent in that backfield, and all those guys can catch the football. And like I said, they they are still, I mean, in effect, they've got five running backs, so they don't need to have Jalen Hurts throwing the football forty times a week. I love the way you put that. They've got a lot of mouths to feed. <laughs> That's a no perfect. Doubt. That is a perfect way to, to place that. And Kyle, only one pig to feed them with. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> only one one pig to feed them with. Kyle, outstanding stuff today as always. Hey, where can people get a hold of your stuff? Where can they tune in? Where can they get a hold of you? Where can they get this advice? Uh, take us through it, Kyle. Well, I invite you to check out fantasyguru.com. There's a podcast I put out every day, and obviously here uh, in the latter stages of the week, it's all football. There's a lot of DFS college football as well up there. Uh, Sunday's the big day with SiriusXM. You know, we're going all day long, you know, from morning, afternoon, into night. I handle the back uh, evening uh, about 10 o'clock. We'll get rolling with the full recap of the Sunday night game and kind of run through everything that people might have missed. So that Sunday is kind of the place to be uh for me it's 10 o'clock this sunday night yeah it's great stuff kyle it's always good to hear your voice and uh let's go week one in the national football yeah. league good luck to all the others out there kyle good to have you on bud and hopefully get a we'll chance to talk soon. soon all right Bye. kyle elfrank uh, joining us on our fantasy uh, uh football talk about you know i was always just calling him our fantasy football guru now he's got a podcast there you go fantasy i'm curious jack you know tonight I I kind of plan my days around certain things. You know what I mean. So, right. on our sister station tonight, oh, we should almost simulcast this. I heard the promo for Kevin Harlan. Oh, so it's. Uh, I'm gonna work late on purpose because you know I'm living at the lake now. Yeah. So I'm just gonna take my time on my way home and go look at the scenic. <laughs> I'm not gonna watch it. Are you kidding me? Kevin Harlan's calling on the radio tonight. So it's just my little plug for our sister station tonight that. Uh, that's what I'm going to do is I, I have a short couch potato radio over on KFGO. Yeah. Into the pregame show for from Westwood One to kick off the NFL season. It's nice outside. Enjoy it. Grill. Yeah. And listen to, in my opinion, a guy who should With, be the number one chair on TV. I don't get that part of it at all. Without question. Uh, Kevin Harlan. Without I, question. I could, as, as, who is it? Is it you or who has said it? I could listen to him read the phone book. Yeah. That, Maybe it's yeah. Doug, Doug Lear. <laughs> it's a, he is, uh, he is, is so good. I, I am lucky because I'm driving later today to Iowa. So, you know, I'll be. There you go. You'll and, be set. Until I land on, on that Westwood One station. So I'll obviously have KFGO as far as I can I can roll. There you go. And uh, and here, great Kevin Harnett. Thank you to Justin Gard joining us today. And to Kyle Elfrick. Uh, two real good ones on, on, on our Thursdays on the Jack Michael Show. Corey Provost, the voice of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, you'll hear uh, coming up tomorrow as we get ready for another busy weekend. High school football. Bob Roars. The roar has been restored. Yes. Coming up tomorrow night, uh, Derek certainly will set the stage on that. And then we've got Hawks baseball tomorrow night uh, from Sioux City, Iowa, hoping that they can even up that series. Common Man is coming up around. Garzy just texted me. Uh, Garzy just texted me a, a story. He's right. The Thinking Spot. What a great place, That's huh? Excellent. <laughs>
That's a great place. Stick around. Common Man is coming up next uh, right here on 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM, KFL, KNFL.